Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Lost Geeks podcast. I am the Doc, as always. And I am JT. And in this episode, we are going to talk about the Mighty Dwarfs. <laughs> but first, we have a bit of bittersweet business to discuss. Yeah, we're just going to kind of announce we are going to be putting out podcast episodes a little less often going forward. We just kind of decided we want to focus on actually building the world and the campaign. So we're going to kind of put out episodes a little more sporadically, kind of when we come up with a new idea for a race, we might do one on, you know, say elves or something like that. We might branch out a little bit and do some of the stuff we have talked about before, maybe reviewing like, say, do a Star Wars episode, stuff like that. But episodes will be coming out a little less frequently going forward, just so we can kind of focus on the D&D, wrapping those campaigns up and then kind of moving Mm -hmm. into our own system. So, yeah, a little bit of a break and then throwing out an episode here and there uh just wanting to keep that quality yeah consistent and it it does take some work putting some of these episodes together we want to make sure that the information we're giving is as factual as it can be and you know time is money life is busy (laughs) yeah yada 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 (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's time it takes a lot of time to prepare and I wish I had time to do all the things I wanted to do in life, but it's okay. (laughs) Uh, Too bad they don't have that cloning yet. Yeah. Multiplicity. It was a good movie. I always thought the Naruto shadow clones would be great because the way that works in that too is you have to still expend like double the energy to have the clones. So it'd be kind of interesting because you could, you could multitask, but you would definitely have to sleep more. Mm. If you could make three shadow clones, well, if I'm getting twice the amount of work done, then... Yeah. If you had two Shadow Clones, what would you do with them? Like, what would you have them do? <laughs> they probably wouldn't like this. I don't know. How, <laughs> sen- how how much of their own mind do they have? Well, if we're going strictly with the Naruto thing is, I think when they come back to him, they get, like, whatever knowledge they, like, achieved while they were out. Like, he gets the information back. So you would basically just be mad at yourself. Oh, okay. Well, it would be chores and yard work. The fun stuff that everybody wants to go and do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> you dedicating... have one like work out for you and then you gain yeah, the benefits yeah, of no, that? Yeah, that actually... So there's an episode of the show where he's trying to learn a new jitsu and he basically makes... It's been a while since I've seen it. Like, let's say a hundred shadow clones and they're all just practicing the technique. And then at the end of the day, he would like bring them all in and like compile the knowledge. But since he had such like a huge pool of chakra, that's why like the shadow clones are his main like thing because of the beast he had. <laughs> Hold on a second. Spoilers, just in case <laughs> you're interested. <laughs> but I hope I don't know if you've seen it or not, but he has like a like the fox is inside him. So he has like a huge supply of chakra compared to like the other characters in the show. So he can make all these shadow clones. And that's how he learns some of these techniques a lot quicker. It's kind of fascinating, but I'm a big Naruto nerd too. I'm a nerd about everything. If you (laughs) haven't guessed that. Well, and I think you alluded to it a little bit, you know, definitely we're going to be talking about our tabletop and the races we're developing. Those will probably be some sporadic episodes as we get more comfortable with sharing those, but also just hitting up other nerdy topics. So maybe another (laughs) two could be one. Yes, (laughs) that is, that is going to happen at some point. So I'll have to rewatch some episodes. I'll have to show you. Have you, have you seen it all? No, I have not. 
okay. Uh, but Bill, we, uh, a bit of a you know a, an admittance here, a confession. I have actually <sighs> not seen any Naruto. <laughs> that makes me yeah. extremely, extremely sad, but extremely has- happy at the prospect of making you watch it. <laughs> But that's the funny thing is like I've heard so much about it. It is so popular that I feel like I know it. <laughs> I know the show. It's so good. To it's a just certain, so to a good. certain extent, just because of everything that's out there. <laughs> so we might do some episodes with that once in a while. But like I said, they will be coming out a little less often. But so with that, let's get into the dwarves. Otherwise, we'll really get lost here. So, so what I kind of found. And a lot of these I just kind of grabbed from the various wikis. I grabbed a few facts from some books I have, but uh, most of them were these things were just from the wikis. And I also apologize if I get any of the pronunciations of these wrong. I'm not, I do love Lord of the Rings, but I'm not a, I don't know everything about it. And I don't know the pronunciations very well. (laughs) I'm sad to say. (laughs) So, I mean, unless you got it from the horse's mouth, it's sometimes it's hard, right? Yeah. Because the author always has a way that they see it in their head. And then as their content goes out to the public, people or especially early adopters of it see what they want to see. And as you're reading, I know this has happened with uh, Salvatore <laughs> with us, where we'll both read the books and we'll come back and we'll start talking about them. And then we find and <laughs> you're like, wait, what character? <laughs> like, oh, I thought you pronounced it this way. I'm like, oh. Well, I think Drist, I think just that name itself is difficult. And I've even seen what Salvatore says. And even with like the Dro Drow thing, that was one of a really interesting quote by him. And he's like, who cares how you pronounce it? <laughs> like, it doesn't matter whatever you call it, it's what you call it. And it's like, oh, okay, I, I get it. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Dro Drow. <laughs> I mean, I guess if they were actual real based in reality race, I mean, they would tell us what they prefer. Yeah, <laughs> but since they're yeah fictional, I don't. Yeah, I always called them Drow, but I have heard a lot of people say Drow, so I do tend to say Drow now. Drow now, yeah. brown cow. I like both. It's hard. I flip. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we've kind of taken that on with some of our races too. Is like, eh, if someone calls it this, who cares? That's just a different <laughs> areas what they call it. Yeah, you see things differently, and just everyone has different backgrounds and how they've been taught languages. So you're always going to get a variation of how that's seen, but yeah, sorry to take us off track. We can get back. Yeah. No, we, we should. The origin. Yeah. The origin of the great dwarves. So the dwarf origin I got was Germanic folklore, including Germanic mythology. A dwarf is an entity that dwells in the mountains and of the earth. It's you, they had it like associated with wisdom, smithing, mining. I definitely see that throughout a lot of the stuff <laughs> crafting yeah yeah dwarves are sometimes described as short and ugly i disagree with the ugly part short yes. i do too <laughs> okay I, I with the ugly part i mean stature I, and i've always seen dwarves yeah their their height is not much to talk about but it's it, they're thick yeah yeah they've got so, that the thickness to them some, however, some scholars have questioned whether this is a later development stemming from comical portrayals or being of the beings. Hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't know. So, let's see. Well, there was well, probably a point in time where being, I mean, maybe even to an extent today, where being shorter is sometimes looked down upon. Yeah, 
or people can be self-conscious if they're on the shorter end, especially if you're male and you're on the shorter end. I, I definitely can see that throughout history. If I was a dwarf, I wouldn't be upset to be short. <laughs> I mean, would you really at that point? I mean, a dwarf I mean, was my main in World of Warcraft, so you know how I feel about him. I was like, yeah, I mean, I would take that any day. I mean, they're thick, though, like you said. Well, yeah, you, you've chopped the height down basically in half of uh, what a standard human is. But, I mean, they're twice the thickness. <laughs> that they, I mean, we're not talking like, you know, they're scrawny little things. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe in some folk- folklore they are, but. Well, so I had the Nordish as well. And I guess this is kind of earlier stuff is, let's see, the this is where I get some of the names wrong. So the dwarves were given life by the gods from Ymir's flesh and blood. Oh, this was also. Oh, OK. They were also associated with metal smithing and death. And they guarded the door between the world. So they guarded the door to like the afterlife. Oh, okay. And there was also a story about Thor's daughter. I it's not even a thing to pronounce. He was promised <laughs> to marry Alvis, and Thor did not like this. So he had a plan, and he basically told Alvis that because of his small height, he had to prove his wisdom. And Alvis agreed, but Mo- Thor made his test last until dawn when Alvis, because he was a dwarf, was turned to stone on being exposed to the sunlight, <laughs> which kind of happens in Tolkien's. <laughs> work with the, that's what he does with the trolls but apparently yeah. back here the dwarves are the ones who turned to stone but yeah i saw that they were kind of you know same thing they had that underground metal smithing the guarded doors between worlds was kind of a little bit of a different thing with that though yeah that's interesting you don't see that adopted in a lot of the modern depictions of dwarves yeah and they were given life by the god ymir of his flesh and blood or earth and sea was another little part of that but yeah so mm-hmm. I obviously there's some similarities with the origins and the inspiration that came from because with so we can get it we should get into Tolkien next right yeah I think that's only natural (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think he just he took that original folklore and and made it his own so so this is another one I'm going to butcher a lot of names here so I apologize and this was kind of from the wiki too but um the Tolkien dwarves oh yeah so the, let's see dwarves was the he actually invented dwarves right i think you and i have discussed this before where it used to be dwarf and he turned it to dwarves and someone was yeah. that actually was editing it his editor told him that it was dwarfs in like the oxford dictionary and he's like i wrote the oxford dictionary it's dwarves <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that story was true or not i read it on the internet so you never know but how dare you question my intelligence <laughs> So I think now most people say dwarves. So so unlike men and elves and men, the dwarves are not counted among the children of Eluvatar. Eluvatar, from what I understand from this, is kind of like the, the top god in that universe. Eluvatar? Uh, that sounds right. So the dwarves creator was Mahal, known as Aule the Smith. Like I said, I apologize on the name. Springs forth from the thoughts of Ilukatar. So he basically created the seven father dwarves. And from what I understand of this Aule, he's part of like the pantheon. Well, here, so he created the seven fathers of the dwarves. Huh, that's interesting, the seven dwarves. I didn't really put that together. (laughs) From who all the other dwarves are descended he deep beneath an unknown mountain somewhere in middle earth 
Okay, so yeah, he placed him below in a mountain in Middle Earth. He did not have the divine power to grant them independent life to his creations, and the dwarves were bound to his will. And then basically the main god come and reprimanded him and <laughs> basically was going to destroy them. And so he confessed his desire to create more living things, but in repentance, he lifted his hammer to destroy the dwarves. As he was about to destroy the dwarves, which who were begging for their lives, basically, Ulivatar had like mercy on them. And he basically like allowed them to live. And he gave them actual like independence. So like I said, they weren't made by the main god. Um, he, but here's an interesting thing, though. He did not wish to make them before the elves, whom he intended to be the firstborn. So he granted the dwarves life, but then, let's see, he made them lay asleep in a chamber beneath the mountain, and they were awake after the awakening of the elves. <laughs> so technically <laughs> speaking, they were made before the elves, but they didn't actually get released till after the elves. <laughs> Fascinating stuff. Go to sleep now. Well, okay. now you know why there's some bitterness there. It's just, and, it's deeply rooted. And I know some of this when you're listening to like Tolkien stuff. I mean, he created a whole universe. And I mean, there's religions and creation. I mean, all of that's in here. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole, it's, it's amazing. So I know some of this reads like a history book, but that's, <laughs> I haven't read it personally, but from what I understand, if you get into the histories of Middle Earth, that's essentially what they are is <laughs> a history book. <laughs> Yeah, I've been told that about my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a compliment or an insult? <laughs> I guess it depends on what you what you take from it. <laughs> I mean, I guess a compliment in that, okay, well, you've at least thought it out. But if you're trying to tell an engaging story that people are going to want to read, probably not. <laughs> But that's the thing is, it, I don't think they expect those histories to sell big like amounts of copies. But you know there's people that's read them. <laughs> But I like it because it gives basis for everything, for the stories that we do know, yeah. right? The, the stories that we we bought and read and then the movies that have come out, even though they were a departure, I understand from the movies. It's still, it, it going back into it, you can find where everything came from. I love that he did that, though. <laughs> That's like what my goal is, is to have that. Yeah. It is not going to be for everybody. I mean, you're not like not everybody's going to buy the histories of, you know, our game or care. Yeah. Or care. Yeah. It's just, oh, no, I, I really like this race or I like how this plays and that's as deep as I'm going to go with it. But I like that we have it there because I know there is an audience out there that does really appreciate when things go below the surface. So that's only part of my <laughs> dwarf talk of the Tolkien dwarves. So that's that's kind of their creation, basically. Yeah, I, sh I probably could have summarized that a little bit easier. But yeah, so the next part, though, is so when the seven fathers and they basically awoke with their wives, although Durin the first was awoken alone. And I believe that is the line that the main ones you see in Lord of the Rings are from is Durin's line. So you basically mm -hmm. had these seven different dwarf groups and they were <clears throat> awakened in different places. The main line, yeah, this Durin's line was the long beards and that's what, who you, like, that's the group you see in the Hobbit. Yeah. Um, just like Thor and Oakenshield was a descendant among that. Uh, there was quite a few other members who were from that line as well. I, you can look up a uh, family tree if you really want to know. But just to kind of summarize this, we could, we really could talk about the Tolkien dwarves in a singular episode. <laughs> yes so they had 
Kazadoom, which later became the Mines of Moria. This is the Longbeard, so this is actually their line. So they actually had Kazadoom, which was the Mines of Moria very early on. And basically they dug, they mentioned this in the movies and the books, I believe, but they basically got too greedy and they dug too deep and it released the Balrog. <laughs> and that's yeah, that when they got driven out. Yeah. Uh, Balin, who was one of the ones in the original party in the hobbit he goes and tries to take it back and i think there was another character from that that was there too but i think balin's the one in the tomb the scene with gimli remember where he goes up and is like crying over the uh the oh the tomb or whatever well yeah basically he didn't know what happened yeah so they had gone to reclaim that and basically the goblins that had taken over basically killed them and I think, like I said, I think it was Balin was the one that was in the coffin and that he cries over. But then someone else actually wrote the diary and it was they were both elves from the original like Hobbit story. So it was kind of it's it's sad, actually. It really is. And I remember being pretty sad at that part in the movie, although I had read The Hobbit, but I did, wasn't really able to put it together until The Hobbit movies came out. It's like, oh, that sucks. That's like his <laughs> like uncle or something. Mm hmm. Well, yeah, basically thinking that they were there and alive and well, and he's expecting to have this greeting and then he finds dust and bones. So I think after they got driven out of there, that's when they got the place that Smog eventually took for them. And there there was a bunch of stuff in there. I just, like I said, we could do a whole episode about them. So interestingly enough, though, and I did not know this and I found this interesting is they actually did manage to take the Mines of Moria back in the Fourth Age, which was after the War of the Ring. <laughs> there should be a movie on this. Yeah, it would be pretty cool. Well, at that point, you wouldn't have to fight the Balrog. You would just have to fight the goblins, basically, which would actually with like a, <laughs> I would think with a like good size amount of dwarves could do that. Yeah, I think there could still be some fun in seeing that those battles. Because then you'd get like some cool like tunnel fights and hall fights and yeah, yeah you never know it probably will depend on how the um, Similarian show goes. Is that out? I don't think that's out yet. Silmarillion. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's out yet. I, All right, as of recording this. <laughs> so yeah, TolkienGateway.net is where I got a lot of that information from. If you're curious to actually read it, um, that's where I got a lot of that from. So another. <laughs> sorry it just goes on and on like i said I, I these are kind of interesting points though so you remember the dwarves got the seven rings of power as well and there mm -hmm. was the ones that the humans got and it turned them into the ring rays and the elves got them too so the dwarves rings of power they weren't actually able to subdue the dwarves with the rings they're just too hardy for that <laughs> but it did make them greedier and it increased their ability to generate riches <laughs> <laughs> because they were greedier so they kind of were cursed by the rings but it didn't like actually take them over to sauron yeah just made them difficult to work with and so there was actually another one of the dwarf tribes was actually the outcast dwarves went there and some of them did fight with sauron but in general they're resistant to corruption but there were some dwarves that fought with Sauron, apparently, in the battle, like with Elrond that you see at the beginning of the movies. Mm -hmm. Dark dwarves. Yeah, it basically the inspiration for probably dark dwarves. I like the idea that they're outcasts, though. Like, it's just like the, where the, well, and it's basically, it's where the bad dwarves go. So it makes sense that they <laughs> fight with Sauron. Well, yeah, where else are you going to go at that point? Yeah. So that's that's the really I know it doesn't sound like the short version, but that was the short version of 
Tolkien dwarves. <laughs> no, that <laughs> that could have gone on, like you said, for the rest of <laughs> this this podcast. And <laughs> there, there's just so much there that you could get into, especially if you start getting into the family connections and one that, all the, I... the different things that that they've gone through. Can I make one comment about the Hobbit movie and the Hobbit book that I don't like? I don't, it feels like sometimes the dwarves in that are weaker than I would like them to be in the beginning of the Hobbit. And I always think of like the scene where they like get ran up the tree by the orcs. It's weird that they like did that. But then later at the end, when they get the armor and stuff, it's like they do come out and fight. And it's like, I just it's weird to me that they got pushed back so hard by those orcs in the beginning. Yeah. I, I always, it it definitely painted a different look for dwarves, but it's, am I used to the other variations of dwarves we've had? Am I used to them being maybe a little thicker and physically capable or are were Tolkien's dwarves always supposed to be that and it changed for the movie or and in their defense they had been driven out of their homelands for quite some time so focusing on like <laughs> training and I don't think they were all fighters either like I mean I'm not no. saying they couldn't fight but they all weren't like battle-hardened war- warriors there was only like Thorin there was a couple that were pretty good there was fighters, a handful yeah, yeah. there was a handful that were actually fighters but I mean, then then there were just there were some like Balin who's just old. Yeah. I mean, he, he fought to the best that he could, and then you had kind of just the rest of them that had agreed to come along to see this through. But they didn't make a stand, to them be, stand at the end. But when you have the yeah. myth, like a full set of mithril armor, though, is <laughs> like that's a huge well, character and- upgrade. Well, and then Smog was dead, and so now you you had a home to fight for again. So that scene that is point, kind of interesting because the humans want their like piece of the pie <laughs> because they actually killed him. Yeah, which, which I they probably deserve. <laughs> they they definitely deserve their share. But yeah, Bilbo really saved the day with that, with giving the stone to the human like you know to them though (laughs) god that was rough that was that was a lot of a lot of stuff going on a lot of moving parts but i know like i said we got we have to move on from the tolkien dwarves like i said that could be its own episode but (laughs) so what do you want to do when i get into next the we've we do have the dungeons and dragons dwarves which i think were heavily inspired and then we've got uh, Warhammer and World of Warcraft. Let's do the D and D because I think D and D is very. <laughs> there's a lot of similarities that in Tolkien's work. I I believe so. Well, and I mean I think they were heavily inspired from Tolkien's works in the in everything they did. I mean they that's kind of where we got halflings from because they, you couldn't use hobbits. So yeah. So the D and D or the D and D dwarves, my experience with them, I guess, would be brutal battle hammer, you know, <laughs> Mithra Hall and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, again, the Dritz books by Salvatore and just the game playing Dungeons and Dragons. I think the first 
it, well, it was the second character in 5e that I had made was a dwarf. Mm-hmm. That was actually was very, my, I don't know if it was my proud. first D&D character. In my first series, in my first full campaign that wasn't just a test run, I did play a dwarf, <laughs> definitely. Dwarf but Paladin. the whole time, yeah, I played a dwarf fighter. And the whole time I felt like every time I thought about my character, I got flashes of Tolkien's dwarves. Yeah. It is kind of interesting sitting here thinking about it, how in the books, though, they did go <laughs> and kill a dragon. But that was just such a small piece of the story, too. But it makes sense, though, because dragons would take over <laughs> dwarf kingdoms because dwarves hold, hoard so much stuff. <laughs> it's understandable why a dragon would want to go rob them. <laughs> it's a uh, hoard in waiting. <laughs> Yeah, we have some different ideas for <laughs> our dragon horse. But yeah, I remember him. It wasn't just usually about him, though. I mean, you had Driss there, Wolfgar, Cadabry, Regis. We wouldn't, we wouldn't want to forget him. Yeah. Well, so, there's, there were there were a few other dwarves, too, that... There that are... This is a spoiler. Interesting. <laughs> this is a big spoiler if you read these books. <laughs> I should probably ask you if you're okay with it before I say it because <laughs> you might get to them and read them but do you I mind if it. i <laughs> i don't mind okay so and the last there's been more since but the last book that he wrote that was i think originally it was supposed to be kind of the ending to his books with them when he was under wizards of the coast but basically like the whole part of that is the dwarves were trying to cre- like reclaim their like original ancestral homeland And it was basically where, like, there's, like, this, I guess it's, like, a throne, and only, like, a dwarven king can sit on the throne, and they can, like, I guess, kind of talk to, like, the divinity and stuff, but basically at that point, all the other dwarf, like, races on the top of the, I won't say all of them, but most of the other dwarfs on the surface were, like, here at this point, and there was, like, kings from each of the three, like, big dwarf like tribes and they basically like all banded together and like fought the drow out of there it was like pretty interesting they all took like this huge hmm. oath and then like bruner pulled out like a beer behind his shield for like every single dwarf <laughs> and they did this big pledge and actually it's kind of interesting because they all have to come up and like give their oath and then like the the dwarves have to like the king they basically like come up and swear their allegiance to like the current king and all of them do it. And at the very end, like, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but Athrogite, um, Jaraxel's, like, assistant. Mm-hmm. The guy, he has, like, the twin morning stars. I guess he's basically there, and, like, he doesn't think they're going to, like, accept him. But, like, Bruner does, and he, like, helps them reclaim it. And it's kind of cool, because it's, like, a redemptive story for his character, like, for all the... Ter- and I don't think they ever went into why he was originally, like, outcast from the dwarves. But it was cool to see him get that redemption after he'd kind of been, like, outcast. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it was cool because, like, his character, like, his character was not expecting it. Like, he expected them not to, like, accept his oath, and they did. And it was like, oh. (laughs) It was like a huge, I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but it was, the ending was so great. Because the dwarves, like, get in a really, really bad spot. (laughs) And uh, I, the whole thing just gets really crazy. I just, I don't want to spoil the whole thing. <laughs> and it's another topic I could go on and on about, but 
so yeah that's kind of where my experience with the Tolkien dwarves or not Tolkien dwarves the <laughs> D&D dwarves which Salvatore kind of taught me a lot about yeah well and again just I saw them as just very tough and hardy and I, I kind of after playing the D&D dwarves and then watching the Hobbit and thinking back on the book I was like Man, the D&D ones I always thought of my my fighter dwarf is a little bit tougher but like we said not all of them that were in that party were built for fighting mm-hmm. so it, it does make sense but I when I think of a dwarf I think of them as hardy you know and ready just gonna be stubborn and yeah and really you know a problem to deal with especially on a battlefield and we also have a lot of center of gravity close to the ground (laughs) (laughs) i was actually watching someone and they made a really good point of the best weapons for dwarves would be longer reach weapons because of how short they are the long reach weapons would actually give them more advantages than having closer you know smaller one-handed you know axes and hammers provided i I mean i guess if you were fighting in tight tunnels then the other it wouldn't really matter at that point but on a battlefield giving them weapons that had actual range to them yeah i mean i think in tunnels that's why i think typically you would want the smaller weapons because otherwise you're going to be getting caught on stuff yeah but I, I, in terms of like a battlefield, mm-hmm. they said it just with the how thick they are and the enhanced strength, and they've got a good center of gravity, it would be really hard to fight lines of dwarves on the battlefield. I know I wouldn't want to be on the opposite end of that. <laughs> just get stomped. Yeah, yeah. So with that, well, the other big influence I think we had with that too was World of Warcraft, obviously. But I don't know, maybe we should do the, you want to do the 40k ones first, or you want to do the World of Warcraft ones? We do the Warhammer ones first, okay. and then we'll, we'll move on to World of Warcraft, since that's probably a little more recent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, Warhammer Fantasy Dwarves. Um, they can also be, they're also referred to as the Elder Race or the Dawi, which is what they call themselves. Okay. So the outside world kind of calls them dwarves. They're also known as the Elder Race. They call themselves the Dawi. And they're one of the oldest, proudest, and intelligent races in Warhammer fantasy lore. Um, they are depicted... Kind of similar to what we've been talking with dwarves, they are picked as strong and are excellent craftsmen and warriors. They have an average height of three to four feet and a lifespan about 200 years, although that can be pushed as I later found. Uh, This was just on the Warhammer Fantasy wiki. It's a pretty big wiki with all the details in there. But it does contradict itself kind of later down the line with dwarves living way past the 200 mark. Mm-hmm. So typically on average 200 years, but they can go further. Uh, though they're short physically, they have an incredible aptitude for durability, endurance, strength, and stubbornness. 
They have a stout build with thick arms, broad shoulders, and though they are short, they have quite powerful legs. This grants them numerous advantages in cramped environments like underground tunnels. Wait, you mean they're in the tunnels too? <laughs> Everybody's in the tunnels. Not, I will say there are some exceptions in that, aren't there? Because some of them are like more in the mountains, aren't they? Like some of them are more mountain dwarves, I thought. Well, yes, but tunnels like through the mountain where they've been making passageways and and digging but you know you run into skaven or (laughs) something down the all kinds of nasty creatures down on the tunnels yep so it is customary and many if not in most cases all male dwarves to have a beard of some kind Many of the youths begin to grow their beards at an early age and will continue to grow their beard for the rest of their life. Uh, Their beard is an integral part of their society and often dictates a dwarf's personal age, wealth, or their experience. They can get kicked kicked out too, right? Do they get their beard shaved when they get kicked out or part of it cut off? It's a sign of... Yeah, if you're kind of pushed out of the society, I think that is one of the punishments is I think, being shaved. I think you can kind of, if we get into Vermintide 2, it'll be kind of tough. But so in Vermintide 2, the dwarf character, if I'm not mistaken, you can kind of play him. I think he's been a slayer. He's been like a lot of the different <laughs> types, but I think the slayer is the ones who were like outcasts. I think it, like that's the one where he's kind of like the beer is a lot shorter. Mm-hmm. And then also those that became the Chaos Dwarves. Oh, yeah. Had also turned away. So the Beard, uh, basically, they're like, well, we're already outcasts from society, so it doesn't matter. Although I think even in the Chaos Dwarves, I think they still respect Beards to some extent. But Oh, they have to if they're a Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I- Basically, the longer the beard, the more respect a dwarf gains from his peers and those in their society. So, beard is a major deal. And if you played Total War, Warhammer, you'll notice that a lot of the dwarves have, like, I don't know if this is in canon, but a lot of the dwarves have beard armor. (laughs) Yeah. So nothing happens to it. So it, it to build armor to cover and protect your beard goes. It go just goes to show how much they do value that aspect yeah. of their society. Can we talk about the Book of Grudges? <laughs> we'll get there at the end. Okay, okay. That was I'm dying. I'm dying for that it. Gonna be. <laughs> so, like many dwarf dwarven races out there warhammer fantasy dwarves enjoy their alcoholic drink <laughs> what they are famously <laughs> i you're just breaking the world if you don't if your version <laughs> of a dwarf doesn't like an alcoholic beverage of some kind but they are famously known for brewing the finest beers and ales known to the warhammer fantasy world They have naturally strong livers, allowing them to drink vast quantities of alcohol without much repercussions. In fact, it is actually nourishing for them and can survive off of it alone for weeks and not suffer from it. So I thought that was interesting. Hmm. That's why 
the to- or the D and D dwarves can drink that. I think we talked about the gut buster a couple times ago, but the <laughs> they can they're the only ones that can really digest it very well. Yeah, and well, and I think this is a newer thing that I think came from D and D dwarves and kind of pushed its way kind of just into lore. But one thing it, different with Tolkien is you'll notice that the dwarves do have limits. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, Legolas drinks Gimli under the table <laughs> pretty quickly. <laughs> Which is funny because, I, well, I don't <laughs> think he's affected by the alcohol at all, right? Isn't that why? Because they're basically the elves that are kind of immune to it, right? Yeah, well, and that's where I'm just saying there's there's a pretty big jump even going from Tolkien to D&D, even, there, even though there is a lot that was borrowed and it's inspired not by everything, it. yeah. Yeah, there, it, Tolkien does have a unique flavor when it comes to that, where the elves are basically not affected by the toxins. Well, and it's interesting because that has changed a lot. Because even in D and D, you think the dwarves are the ones who have like the poison resistances and the ones that can, mm-hmm. you know, they would drink an elf under the table in D and D. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the whole thing. I mean, all of these obviously have their own flavor to them. I <laughs> guess I should have said it's like, yeah. So, uh, where did I leave off? So kind of moving on from that and this was something that was kind of interesting that you mentioned with Tolkien and I wonder if there was some inspiration here from that but Warhammer Fantasy Dwarves are also very resistant to magic Mm -hmm. they are not able to feel or control the winds of magic and for those of you who don't know the winds of magic in Warhammer Fantasy is like the weave in Dungeons and Dragons. So the weave of magic and the ley lines, it's that's basically what it is in Warhammer Fantasy. So like, but a lot of the other races in the world do have access to the winds of magic. So there's this belief that the old ones created the dwarves in an attempt to create a race that can resist the touch of chaos and the mutations that it can cause. So, and and that's kind of the big reason, so that they're resistant. And if you play the doors, you know this, they have a lot of resistance to magic, though they don't get to directly use it. Now, there is a caveat to this where doors can use magic, but it has to be through the use of runes and learning really specific techniques of a rune. So it's just, it's a different process than like calling on the warp, basically. Yeah, it's it's not like a direct connection. They actually have to go through a process of of doing these runes. Hmm. Can there be chaotic chaos dwarves? Are there chaos dwarves? There are. Okay. Sorry, there, I'm there, jumping the, I'm I don't know if there's again. chaos dwarves, but there are. There are. There is a faction of chaos dwarves, but they started. They got manipulated through another. Uh, basically deity in the lore forgive me that's a lot to go look up on, on oh it's all good no it. it's all good i was but just they, curious, so. they were basically when they were basically abandoned they felt like they were abandoned by the dwarves in the world and so they turned to another being and that being i think is kind of like a vampire being and so he warped them and so i don't know if they are different in terms of the winds of magic, but there's a possibility. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I thought that was just really interesting when you're talking about the Tolkien dwarves and n- not 
having access to magical energy that this was kind of like oh i wonder if they took some inspiration by having the dwarves just not kind of be severed from magic because the old gods basically didn't want them being corrupted by chaos yeah that makes yeah that kind so of makes we, sense so yeah go yeah. ahead now we get to your the part you've been waiting yes. for <laughs> the, <laughs> the book great of book grudges. of grudges yes which is essentially a record of all the terrible wrongs and treacherous deeds ever perpetrated against the dwarven race yes amounting to a very detailed recorded history by the dwarves <laughs> of and by the dwarves and you know whose name is in the book more than any other race? The orcs. It makes you wonder how many orc entries there actually are in the book. You know, if you think about the amount of times the orcs would come against the dwarves. Well, and I, the Skaven might be right up there with the orcs as well. I know the dwarves constantly have issues with Skaven. The thing that's funny about the orcs is I don't think the orcs care at all. <laughs> oh no they don't they definitely <laughs> could care less i don't think any of the races that are in there actually give a shit about it none of the sent like the more i don't know none of them care that much i doubt <laughs> but if you are trying to strike up relations like let's say you just came into leadership you're like oh i'm in leadership oh, i'm a lord true. of <laughs> like you're just let's say you're a bretonian and you just became lord and you want to strike up these relations with some dwarves, they're going to pull out that book of grudges and be like, well, your great-great-grandfather from way back when. <laughs> All right, what do I got to do to make peace with you? <laughs> and apparently it's really difficult to get, like, usually the price for that is blood. So I, I think there are ways that people have gotten out of it, but it's it's either blood or uh, lots and lots of gold. <laughs> I'm sure there's a price. They're dwarves. <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, if you're naturally like if you're Skaven or an orc or something of that nature, you're not really going to care about being in the Book of Grudges because there, there'd be no way to pay back all of the wrongs they have of you. But if you're actually trying to strike up some sort of relationship that's mutual and you got to be careful because <laughs> those grudges they'll, they'll get you i know in the end of days they did start being a little more lenient because it's like the world's ending <laughs> we're gonna forgive some of these dang you past self <laughs> dang you <laughs> grandfather but there is so much lore and, and this is one of the things that I've come to, despite everything, have a lot of respect for the Warhammer fantasy universe is they have put a lot of work into their races. I just like you, we could have gone a set a whole session on Tolkien's. We could easily go a whole session on just fantasy Warhammer fantasy dwarves. There is so much about their society and their way of life, and just so many stories that we could get into. And so I would definitely encourage you to go and read and find that information. 
like I, I mentioned this individual last time, but on YouTube, there's a great individual known as Lore Master Sotek. He's really great at knowing a lot of the history, and I he does have a lot of dwarf knowledge and uh, YouTube episodes that he does put out on the dwarves. So if you want to know more, that's a great spot to go and get it easily. But there's just, there's so much. Like I was sitting there looking, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a very basic breakdown because we'd be here forever <laughs> talking about Warhammer fantasy dwarves. <laughs> Even though this is the final episode, we probably should have broken it up into two parts. <laughs> I think it, I don't have any idea how long we've been recording. So we, uh, it might be a two-parter. If you get to this and it's in the first part, this might be a two-parter, but we'll see. We have to get into the Warcraft Dwarfs next, though. Yes. We have to give uh, them, they have to have their fair shake, I think. Because, again, kind of like with the Orcs, I mean, each variant of these Dwarves have been a little different. Yeah. And the World of Warcraft Dwarves take it a step further i think early on i saw them as kind of just very generic but as they started adding a lot of background mm-hmm. to them i started being like okay they've there's definitely some original thoughts in here well and as you play through the game you see the different varieties too because i think there one of the things i had seen was there was there's basically three different groups there's like the mountain dwarves mm-hmm. and then there's the ones that live in you know iron forge then you have like the dark iron dwarves as well. Yeah, I think there's just the three. Um, I think no, there there are some variations because they found the ones up in Northrend, like the. That's uh, true. Yeah, yeah. the so there remnants some, of that. Yeah, and they kind of, I I, I kind of hate to get into the history of it. I know we've done it with some of the other ones, but they have a whole story where they come from the earth too. And I think one of the divines like made them Ulduar and Uldum. I think as you play through the game, you get a little bit more and more of the history of them. And I think one expansion, they did a big thing with the dark iron dwarves coming back into iron forge. And I think the King's daughter, I think you actually kill her husband. If I'm not mistaken in one of the like eight mans or the seven mans, remember you go in there and you actually kill him and save her but she i think gets pregnant <laughs> and she basically becomes one of the three like kings in iron forge or the queens in that case or her being a queen it was I, I later so. it's, it, it was yeah. later and yeah sorry if i'm butchering this and i know they've changed some stuff too but i thought in one expansion there was a big thing with that i, I can't remember because it was an, it was a dungeon from vanilla though i thought you went in and saved her i th- it was I like Black Rock so. Mountain. Oh, that, that makes sense because I didn't <laughs> get to run that. Uh, man, I feel terrible. I can't remember this. We ought to have your brother on here. He could correct me or someone that knows the lore a little better. Now I feel <laughs> bad. We got kind of deeper into it. But yeah, no, I, I guess to say as the game has gone on, they have added to their story. And I think they originally were more generic back, you know, Warcraft 2, you had them. And I think they were like the bomb squad that would blow themselves up. And I'm trying to think in World in Warcraft Three, I'm sure they were in that too, but I don't remember what they had them as. Yeah. Um. Well, and they do have unique abilities, like, and I'm gonna speak more towards the vanilla. I don't know if they've changed a lot of the racial abilities. I I know they've. 
I think they've changed some, but I don't know if they've made a lot of changes there. But they've had like the fine treasure. They could sense treasure. I always thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. And then they had the stone form where you kind of blew up in size and you you turned metal everywhere. Yeah, no, I liked that too. (laughs) I always love that. For Cosmodon! (laughs) Well, and that was in Warcraft 3. Yeah. Because that's when the dwarves were introduced. And so in Warcraft 3, that was just kind of the thing that happened. And it was just like... (laughs) Was there ever an explanation of why they can do that? Not that I've ever seen that I can remember. Hmm. Well, they do have the stone. They have the stone form in WoW, and I think there is an avatar, but I think it's more of a feature of the fighters, if I'm not mistaken. Well, they they always have the stone form that makes them bigger. So, yeah. So I'm familiar with them. My first character, Kordoth, of course, was a yeah. I think we've talked about our our two dwarves, dwarf fighters running around. Yeah, that could have been better thought out. It, it was good in thought for role-playing. It would have been fun. I kind of wish we had got on a role-playing server. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah, unfortunately, just what World of Warcraft vanilla was, it the fighters, having two fighters in a group, like just so, like if you and your friend were just going to solo around and just pug groups for dungeons and stuff, two fighters wasn't, it work. actually might have been okay if one was tanking and one was DPSing. That's what you would have wanted, though. I think it would have been okay, but it, it, while you were leveling, it wasn't ideal because you like. But even back then, a lot, a lot of people when they were looking for DPS weren't looking for fighters for DPS. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> they wanted their warlocks or the hunters or mages. Yeah, and I, I sometimes wonder though if they were capable of dpsing well it's just without the people using mods you couldn't actually see who was doing the damage because i feel like if you had the gear you could have done damage in the right build maybe not though i don't know (laughs) i don't know there were a lot of unknowns with that with the early game and and i know there was because they of all the changes that have been made and then I know, like, kind of in the middle of our time playing, it would be like, oh, what class is hot this month? Like, it was the class of the month or months. I'm sure there's still balance update. issues. I'm sure there's still balance issues. Too bad they didn't come out with the the shaman early on in vanilla. That, that if I had played, because my dwarf was originally supposed to be shaman. So if I had played shaman and you were fire, that could have worked. Yeah, that would have been that would have actually been kind of fun. There are some different ways we could have played that, but oh well, live and learn. So I don't we same thing with the Warcraft Wars. I don't know there's too much else we want to get into with them. I think that covers most of I it. Think the, I, we've talked about World of, in, War, yeah, World of Warcraft a lot. So Yeah, I think in terms of how Blizzard approached dwarves, it's all pretty standard. Yeah. In terms of stature and thickness i think they've they've been the biggest on making them the thickest (laughs) yeah definitely which i was which i was fine with although i i remember one of the comments to this day that still makes me laugh is you're like man i love my dwarves arms but i wish i could have more of a belly (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. They were pretty restricted on the character models when the game... Ver- I think we actually just talked about that, I think, so... So, yeah, unless you have something more, we can nope. kind of move, move on to Art kind of our mini, mini reveal. Yeah. So we kind of wanted to do something different with dwarves, but we also did want to kind of take from what's already out there. I... I like the dwarf flavor that's out there, so I do want to take a lot from it. But I like to have a little more variety and options and obviously make it our own. Yeah. Well, and we're going to start doing that with the name. Um, So I'm switching. We've kind of gone with a different name than the traditional dwarf or dwarf or dwarves. Uh, and going with Dwar, D-W-E-O-R-H, which is an alternate form of Dwarf. So mm-hmm. before you start getting all upset, it's just an alternate form. And I like the spelling and how it looked and I felt it fit the world better. And if you ever so. play our world, you can always call them Dwarves. We don't care. But they have a serious name, too. And I think it's like that in a lot of the stuff, though. I mean, all these have their own names they call themselves if you look at them so i don't think having something like that is anything crazy to expect and i could see maybe another race would call them dwarf as more of a derogatory term (laughs) i like that (laughs) that should be that could be a thing they get really offended if you don't call them that (laughs) what did you call me Uh, i actually have that well (laughs) that's a (laughs) <laughs> mini reveal about my character is the terrapins <laughs> get mad if you call them the wrong thing <laughs> i don't think anyone's no no i i tried to lay some bait one time but no one would do it <laughs> <laughs> they knew better <laughs> they're like ah, i don't want to see what happens if he gets really mad kind of like other dwarves some of this is going to be pretty standard but i'm going to go through it anyway so deal with it uh So our dwarves spend a large portion of their lives underground. So as with a lot of our races, I try to have their anatomy reflect in their racial abilities. So when you see our racial abilities for our races, it's tied to their anatomy and the environment in which they live, because I think that makes them more interesting and it's plausible and we see it in nature all the time. So it only makes sense. So their anatomy reflects this truth. So they are shorter in stature like many traditional dwarves, but ours are going to be a little taller, standing around four to five feet in height on average. So I've I've opted to go with them a little taller, but not by much. And there is reasons for this, but I don't know. You could tell me whether you've liked that or not. That's where I've had Mm -hmm. them at for a long time, but... Yeah, for now, I think that's good. And I think Um, I have a... I can interject this whole little tidbit here, but I kind of... What I've been doing with our dwarves is I have them connected and Villa, the city, it's like connected with the human city. I think I brought that up before. So one big group of dwarves I'm going to have is there. And I know you've had a dwarven city as well Mm -hmm. in your Stonewood, I believe. Uh, That was kind of like an offshoot of their major city uh Dorlader. Dorlader, okay. But we didn't actually get to go to there yet. <laughs> no. That that actually could have been a whole campaign. I could make that like a mini campaign. Yeah, it's kind of a shame the open-ended strands that sometimes happen <laughs> in a D&D campaign. 
little rats. So to, yeah. <laughs> to continue, um, there's no real distinction between male or female in terms of height and weight. It varies. You can get shorter males, females, taller males, females, way heavier, lighter. Uh, it's There's not really an average for either of them. Uh, this gives them an added advantage when working in cramped tunnels and in underground caverns. However, their bodies traditionally, I'm going with the thick and powerful because mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so to this point, not much distinction from the traditional dwarves, aside from maybe on average being a little taller. So like many of our other races, dwar can activate a sort of dark vision using our system's magic system. This allows them to see in, in pitch dark without any light uh, source of light or light source, which can be troublesome at times as the eyes will glow in the dark. This allows you to see without any light source, but does give away your position. They are also adept at sight in limited light situations. So they do not really wanting to get into D&D's dark vision and stuff like that. And we've talked a little bit with our magic system, being able to have some races be able to see and pitch dark without but, using the magic, which that would be kind of makes sense. Cause especially if the magic gave you away, it would be a nice thing for like a stealthy character. If you didn't have to do that. So you could still sneak around in the dark and see. Well, and that's why this would be more of a natural thing. Like you, it's not something you have to like magically activate. It's just something you can do, do but it yeah. gives away your position, but having maybe a race that has senses that can sense kind of without needing that vision could be a way of, of maybe a, some, we've got so many races, I'm sure we can squeeze stuff in, but yeah. So they have stone-like skin in terms of the color and its shade. This can range from uh, shades of gray, including slate, to really any myriad of stone shades uh, that you can find. Their skin is thick and rough, growing thicker and harder on the top of their hands, feet, at their joints, shoulders, and chest. These thicker parts of their body are extremely strong, acting as natural armor, strong enough to chisel through solid stone, allowing them to craft masterful and unmatched works of art within their mountain homes. And this is a variation that I'm taking. It's part of their anatomy because if a dwarf got lost in a tunnel or you know found themselves without tools, their body is a tool to Mm -hmm. survive and get through. And we had talked about the hair kind of adding to that armor as well. Yep. I was just about to get beards. (laughs) I know. I can't help it. No beards. Um, I'm actually going to let you lead on the, on the beards topic. We had a discussion that we had. Yeah. So we had discussed coming up with some way that their body hair was basically almost made of stone, but it would have some malleability to it. So it would act as kind of an extra layer of armor in those spots where there was hair. And even having your beard like braided in a certain way could provide you some extra armor. And we kind of thought about them making that actually more natural armor. And if you, you know, 
the gamble you would take is if, you know, part of your beard did manage to get cut off, <laughs> you might take a permanent loss to your armor. Yeah. For well, a while. And then, <laughs> I mean, this kind of going along with the same thing, maybe not to the extent, but it would be a source of, in dwarf society, having this beard that had matured into this beautiful armor that had been interwoven into these crests of natural armor that are on them could look really cool and and kind of be intimidating just to see something you could have so many fun designs with that and not just like the beard but chest body hair, hair arm yeah. hair yeah could all of it be interwoven and then yeah if it takes some damage some permanent damage then have that's... to go repair have it redone <laughs> It would suck if it got burned off. <laughs> well, well, that's what I was talking. If it turned more into this kind of malleable stone armor, would it burn at that point? Uh, that's a good question. We'll have to think on that one, though. <laughs> It'd be cool I mean, if maybe, it didn't, but at least resistant where, to it. <laughs> yeah, I would say at least resistant, and then like you would really have to burn it a dwarf <laughs> get them to, to burn burn yeah is that all we wanted to get into with them i'm sure there's a, a little more but I a little that's... more okay i got a little more so going more into who they are as a people so i see dwar as tenacious in everything they do stubborn to a fault and demand perfection from this themselves and others for them there's no better moment than witnessing perfection before them, especially when made by their own hands. A moment worthy of celebration. This ideal their people as a whole share in every facet of their lives. This tenacity has seen their people through the harshest of the spheres events. So their civilization built on the pillars of clans and we had talked a little bit about this clans built to oversee every aspect of their society fantasy dwarf uh, the warhammer fantasy dwarves have something similar to this to an extent i don't know if i'm going to get as detailed and break it down as much as they have but it it's a similar system but the clans so they're built to oversee every aspect of their society uh dwar and this is subject to change we and this is something we can have a discussion about but i saw them as having low fertility rates so all new life is greatly cared for and raised in a centralized community when they have come of age they are chosen by a clan to continue their life path each clan has a council of elders that meets with others to make decisions for the whole of their community. Hmm. So, yeah, no, I kind of like that. I, and that'll fit in kind of well with what I have. I know we weren't doing half races, but it would be interesting if we allowed it for dwarves and humans, just because <laughs> I don't know. I'd be another race to make though. So we'll put a pin in that. Let's put a pin in that. I, I don't think we've said no to half races. I think we just, it 
it was it's, more of like let's get our our races done and then see what makes sense well i was thinking that would be kind of cool for the city of anvilla because that could be one reason the dwarves decided like we're willing to like have a city like that that was partnered with the humans just for the sake of like <laughs> reproductive purposes and so a lot of the people could be half dwarves that like that populate the city that'd be kind of cool yeah and maybe it with our human which aren't named humans but with our human race maybe that fertility goes up a little bit and so that's why Mm -hmm. it makes sense yes but it could also be something that maybe other major dwarven societies kind of are like well that's just wrong (laughs) and kind of look down on but there there could be some drama in there i think there could be some drama in there because then it would make anvilla very unique in the world setting but many of I, I see many of the door spending the entirety of their lives underground never seeing the surface though many do make the journey for trade diplomacy defense and if absolutely required war and to kind of go along with some of the additions um lungs aside there are three major organs in the body that help eliminate waste and harmful substances includes liver kidneys and colon and so basically reworking their anatomy to where those are like super organs because you can run into things like bad air in a lot of cave systems or limited air so having their body be able to filter out toxins to a higher degree offering them a lot more survivability in where they're spending the majority of their (laughs) life that makes sense which as with some other dwarves we've talked about would give them a strong resistance to toxins allowing them to drink quite a bit more than well it has to be in there like we said yeah (laughs) so that's that's kind of all i have for our dwarf right now or that I'm at least willing to share. <laughs> but if you had anything you wanted to add or discuss. Yes, I did. I had one more surprise topic for you. <laughs> surprise topic. <laughs> what do you think of the dwarves in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves? They're, the, they're classic. I see those as more of the uh, kind of the OG. <laughs> yeah. I do appreciate that they go after the queen at the end, though. They do. Well, and they're miners. They like shinies. Yeah. Well, and I think that's got to be a. Is it is Snow White a German fairy tale? I hate that I don't know that. I think it's German, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say you're right. <laughs> I want to say you're right. That sounds right. I feel like I need. Uh, it is. Yeah. Okay. I, I yes. was almost positive. <laughs> the original story of Snow White from is Brothers from the 19th century. Yep. Brothers Grimm. I've read a bunch of their stuff. It's interesting because they basically went around collecting like local stories. <laughs> that would have been a fun thing to do back in that. <sighs> There's time, been some interesting to travel movies. around and collect. collect There's a stories. movie about about them that's kind of interesting too. The Brothers Grimm, I think. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've seen that. We could do an episode on the Brothers Grimm sometimes. That would be fun. We'll add that to the list of <laughs> episodes. So with that, yeah, I don't really have anything else I want to get into. Just again, thanks everybody for listening. 
I know some of you really enjoy us. We just uh, really want to focus on the campaigns that we're writing for D&D and building this world. So we do want to kind of do some episodes with some periodic updates and just kind of do this for fun. But just like we said, in order to keep putting out the quality of episode we want, I just think it'll be better if we have more time between to work on them and get them ready. Yeah. Well, and then our energy is going to be there. We're not... (laughs) It's it's not a chore. We'll be excited and we'll have content to share. So, yeah, just thank you very much to everyone who's been listening. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that rambling, please consider supporting our podcast. You can show your support for The Lost Geeks on Facebook and Discord. We anticipate your collective feedback and suggestions. We would like to offer our sincere thanks to Nomad, that's K-N-O dot M-A-D, for providing his musical talents. You can discover him for yourself right here on Spotify. We hope you return for our next episode. And I do apologize for the cutoffs. If I don't stop them, then no one will. They are lost after all. Till next time, my lost.